HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country, to offering scholarships to high school students is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 summer drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member now. Father's Day. We got plenty of fodder for Father's Day. It's your daddy-o on the radio. It's Mike Edison here with the great Trouble Troubadour, Jack Grace. That is me, Trouble Troubadour. That's true. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Fodder, fodder, fodder. Hello, mother. Hello, fodder. We're going to be talking about good dads, bad dads, dead dads, television dads, and me. uh, I got my name on the tail of my shirt. I'm a rocking chair daddy. It means I don't got to work. No, you don't got to work. That's Uh, correct. Oh, if we're only true, Jack. <laughs> Why not? You're, you're, you're a wealthy man, are you not? <laughs> oh, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm wealthy because all, all the, the money I made for my last book about my... Uh... <laughs> he's, he's a famous writer, as, as you all know, and, he's, and he, writes, he writes very well, and he writes very funny, well, and so obviously that. he's rich. Obviously, because... Uh... <laughs> because he's talented, so therefore he must be rich. Writers make less money than musicians, and being both, I'm sort of like wow. right, right in the means of like the, the low-paid... It's a double unwashed. jeopardy sword. So you, yeah. you sure you don't want to take up acting and stand-up so, comedy so, so, just so, so, to so fall back on? Comedy, so I have something to fall back on. <laughs> I literally have thought that in my, in my life, too. That's well, how you've, ridiculous you've, it is. You've been staying on the road, Jeff. 
Chuck? I like to stay on the road. Actually, I'm going to be heading down this uh, next week down to Aberdeen, North Carolina, Leesburg, Virginia, and Gettysburg. Wow. Where we always... I stand at the field of Gettysburg, and I'll tell you, you can look at the place where people would line up and move and get shot. And I go, I just wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, why would you oh, line up to get shot? Well, times were, times were different. <laughs> I know. I, I can't relate. I'm a rock and roll guy. Oh, man. And it's Father's Day. It's and Father's it's, Day. And, and, it's, and it's Father's Day. And um, is Father's Day a happy day for you, Jack? Well, yeah, it... Look, I, 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 my dad made an asabuco yesterday. We had wow. a good time. I took him out to dinner wow. on Friday. We had a good time with my parents. They're 74. They're high school sweethearts. They're still alive. I get to. But we, you know, Mike and I were talking earlier about this. And the point is, it's messed up because the other thing is that you got to be sensitive that, like, for instance, Mike, you're. Your parents are not are no I'm longer not, here. Not here with us, but you know, my dad was kind of like like a prick before he died, yeah. and it leaves me feeling kind of conflicted, to be honest with you. Still, yeah. even after you know a few years and a lot of time on the Hedgehog's couch, and, well, uh, that's and writing a, a book, yeah. you know, to to you know purge my my demons, um, which is called "You Are a Complete Disappointment" and available. A very funny book, which you all should read. And we're gonna and we're gonna hear a little bit from that later later as well. That's what I hear. Um, but the point is that there's people, like, when it's Mother's Day or it's Father's Day. Look, maybe you out there right now are having a nice Father's Day with your father or your mother. But, like, everyone deals with their parents passing. Hopefully, that that, that is the order of operations is the way it should happen. It's a more painful well, the other way. But the point is that there's people that we get, we get, they get a bomb thrown every Father's Day where they feel sad missing their father because he's gone. Yeah, man, like I said, I'm kind of in a double bind because, yeah. um, you know, having you know, a dad who had a terrible, like, dysfunctional relationship with and then wondering how to how to grieve him when he died but because yeah. he was you know so, so, so mean to me but I am in awe of great parents yeah. I, I am really in awe of great mothers and fathers who are patient and protect their children and uh, you know understand what it is to be patient and an unconditional love my parents are honest and, that they were terrible parents they admitted that they like they preferred to party and they had kids because everybody else did and so they're very humble about it so how, how do you feel about something like that I think it's great <laughs> well you turned out alright Jack I, that, well <laughs> trouble <laughs> Here you are in the ivory tower of Heritage Radio, beaming beaming your message to the masses. Being very wealthy, and we're like, it was funny when we got to the to the radio show, like. First, Mike's Porsche was in my parking spot yeah. when I got here. Yeah, yeah, my 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 my, my, <laughs> my Porsche. As I was being thrown off the G train today to get yeah. on a shuttle bus that never came, packed into a shuttle bus that was it was a little Auschwitzy. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. but it was like that. You know, I finally bailed from just like 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 the claustrophobia and paranoia yeah. of, of like of like this whole cattle car that I was in. Yeah. Realized I was nowhere near the L train, but you know, and finally got into a car. So it was like you know, trains, planes, and what he's. Telling you, folks, is that he's not—he wasn't happy about here. his his his, tra- his travel here. And you you should have gone with the Porsche thing. The glamorous side, the glamorous side of the business. Well, I didn't want to kayfabe the Porsche because <laughs> the reality is, it's like I'm an old Jewish man huffing and puffing, sweating, carrying a guitar, I like the walking up Union oh. Avenue. <laughs> I like the image of you and I laughing at, <laughs> at our Porsches next to each other. Uh, and then we go, and then, you know. That's, you know yeah, Jack, your 911 is so 80s. It is. It's a little <laughs> 80s, but but so are my, my Varnays, sunglasses <laughs> that I'm wearing right now. You know, it's just what I do. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, where to even begin? We're, we, got, we got happiness and heartbreak all in the same show. Ah. I like well. Those are those two things go well together because if you're happy and then you have heartbreak, then you get to get happy again. That's kind of like you know doing good coke. 
<laughs> right? It's kind of like that. Oh, yeah. You know, just like it. You're like doing good coke with your dad. With your dad. <laughs> I always love people talking about doing drugs with their parents. I mean, like smoking pot with their parents anyway. I just did. I broke that barrier with my mom, and she, she's wonderful. thrilled. So then I showed up, and, I, and she goes, don't you have any pot? I'm like, oh, this is a thing now. Like, she looks forward <laughs> to smoking. And I'm not a big pot smoker, to tell you the truth. I like to drink, but I'm, I, I'm the one of those guys. But when, I, but when mom's twisting one, you don't say no. <laughs> You don't say, it's not that. Do, do not, not disobey your mother, Jack. She ain't twisting one. <laughs> but it is true. Like I'm one of those people. I don't know about you. I, I take one little hit of pot and see how I feel before I turn into a paranoid world. Yeah, I'm not one of those kind of people, actually. <laughs> Why did I smoke? Now I've ruined well, everything. My parents were so square. When I got caught... Yeah. Uh, Smoking grass the first time. I mean, I might as well have like a heroin needle in my eyeball, you know, for uh, what my mother thought about it. I mean, I was on my way to like to boot camp and you know rehab and just normal fifteen. So wait, items. how? So you got caught smoking? Pot? I got. I got. You're pot- not supposed to get caught, Mike. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and we were slow. We didn't. You know, the weird thing is, we got caught smoking uh, grass before school, junior high school, out in the woods, and we were drinking too. Yeah. We had a bottle of whiskey. Of course you were. It was like, of course we were. It's like eight o'clock in the morning, and well, okay, I would have been more concerned with the drink. Had I been a parent or an authority figure, one of the school, mm-hmm. you know, the local gendarme that were running the school's anti-drug policy, yeah. like the pot seemed like normal. Enough. Okay, kids are getting stoned, yeah. but for kids to be drinking whiskey day in the morning, that seemed to no, me that's like, that puts up, up a bigger flag to that's me. That's not cool, actually. That's a little weird. Eight a.m. <laughs> whiskey drinking for for a fifteen year old is a little extreme. Someone brought it, so I drank that's it. That's more for like that's like a, <laughs> that's more like a Chris Christopherson like 40, uh, 40 year old kind but of maybe day. Maybe that's where I got my habit of spiking my coffee. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. There you go. I remember we stayed up all night once, and we decided that rock and roll was in trouble. So we, a friend of mine and I, we grabbed a couple of posters that said, help save rock and roll, and stood in Times Square. And then we got to, to Smith's Bar at 8 a.m. I love Smith's Bar. Yeah, I, of course you do. I, I love Smith's yeah. Bar. Still there, too. Yeah, it's one of I know, the last great Times Square Blarney bars. And I saw a bunch, like more than one businessman show up with one of those, it's a pleasure to serve you coffee cups, and just put it out, and the woman would pour the whiskey in it. <laughs> I was like, wow, there's some people that are just doing this. This is what they're rolling with. I like it. A little kooky coffee. Get my motor running. Yeah. All right. So, once again, heartbreak or happiness. Where should we start? Well, let's break some hearts. Oh, you want to break some let's hearts? Let's break some hearts. I I, I you gotta, want me to sing a heartbreak song, or what do you, what do you want to talk you what, about? I'll tell you what, why don't you sing a heartbreak song, and then I'm going to go toe to toe with you, okay? okay? Mono a mono, and then see, you know, All hey, right. if they cry, they buy. Let's I'm see. Just, I'm, just, I'm just warning you now. I ain't messing around with this heartbreak stuff. All right, well, believe, believe me, as low as you can go, I can go lower. But uh, whip it on us. Jack Grace, everybody, what are we going to hear? Here. This is a brand new song. I'm, I'm going to premiere it right here. It's called Broken Melody. I wrote it in Sayulita, Mexico, because I said it's time. I, my 13-year marriage ended, and I said, I'm, I got to move on from writing breakup songs. So I wrote this one, and I... Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm laughing because you moved on from writing breakup songs to writing a heartbreaking song about your father. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the guitar that your, that your folks got for you. Okay, so the guitar you're hearing right now, my parents rented this guitar in the 70s, and... Return and never returned it, so now it's mine. And I didn't really start playing guitar till I was eighteen. It was a false start back then. But the point is, now I have this thirty-year, you know, thirty or thirty-five-year-old Brazilian rosewood nylon string guitar. Thanks to oh. not returning it. Thank you. Probably still thirty dollars. <laughs> Someone out there it <laughs> definitely was a miss in their accounting department. <laughs> Thank you. 
So you thought it went okay And the love could be sustained Till they turn and walk away That's when the melody turns strange Don't you know Love could take you down A road Cannot bring you back It's a melody So completely maddening Saddening Lovely Everything you need Broken melody Broken melody So you drive off in your car No idea of who you are Now do these memories turn sour Hate to think they lose their power Like to see it all with a view And if we could, what could we do? To understand is to survive I understand if you need to lie Don't you know? Love could take you down a road that may not bring you back. It's a melody so completely maddening, saddening, lovely, everything you need. Broken melody. I'm drowning in a pool of tears. There we go. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's all right. As a matter as low, I can bring them down lower. I can do this. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's on. It it's, is on. I, oh, it's, oh, oh, it's on. I can, I, I can play this game. Heartbreak Father. First I'm, annual Heartbreak Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very moved that, you know, your folks bought you a guitar. My, when I wanted to play the... Buy it. They the, rented, rented it, it and rented didn't it. return it. That's different, <laughs> to be clear. That's more my parents, to be clear. <laughs> I wanted to get a set of drums. My, I started out playing the drums, came to the guitar. Well, like you later, like I was yeah. like 19 years old or so, and I started the guitar. But my first instrument was the drums, and I wanted to buy a set of drums. My father told me, no, it's a waste of time. You're not talented. I'm not doing it. Yep. And my, I wanted a drum set when I was in uh, mm. middle school. And my mom said, if you got a drum set, we'd get a divorce. <laughs> That's what she would always say. It's, it's, well, it's not a happy thing when you're picking <laughs> up a drum exaggerate. set. But that somehow happened. I did manage to get yeah. a, a drum set. And, yeah. Um, uh, what was your first drum set? Well, I got it. I got it out of the um, classified ads of the newspaper, and I kind of like begged for it. And I, and I actually had found it was like fifty dollars. Yeah. Uh, there were Stuart Brown drums, which this kind of cool Japanese. And for nineteen seventeen, that's a very expensive <laughs> drum set. Blue Sparkle. But here's the thing: uh, there was um, it, it wasn't actually as advertised. There was no. Uh, 
there was no snare drum for one, so it was like this little bass drum and this, and this tom-tom. And they, they, were, they were good. They were the beginning of a good rock and roll drum set, but missing yeah. more pieces than were actually there. There was no bass drum pedal. There was no seat. There were no cymbals. And most importantly, there were no sticks. So that's, I managed. I managed. I don't think that's a drum set. I, I managed to get 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 it home yeah. right uh, after being humiliated for my father because I think it was fifty dollars they were selling it for, and I actually had saved fifty dollars. And he drove me there, and he said, "Offer them twenty five. And the guy, like, really, dad, yeah. in a haggle over this. And I figured I'd get the drum set and fill out the rest of the pieces. It was a start. Sure. I knew it was cheap. They were sort of whatever. You know, they were moving whatever they wanted to get rid of it. Um, and then when I got it home, I said, well, "Okay, I need some sticks." And he told me. A good drummer would never blame his tools. It's you. You're not playing it. You're no good. Clearly, you're not talented. I'm going to sell it tomorrow. And you had a drum set for an hour at well, that point? When you, it, 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 she just sat in my in. basement, but I didn't have any sticks or a pedal or a stool or cymbals. And uh, eventually, I saved up enough money, and I sort of got like, like a more filled out drum set, like the yeah. whole thing. And, you know, I mean, then I was playing in Tokyo and Paris, so apparently I was pretty good at it, yeah. despite what he that, said. The, that is evidence that, that there's people around the world, like, paying to hear you play the drums. And, and in fact, uh, it, it was just like that. It's amazing how someone can have fun everywhere they go and still be such a complete disappointment. That is a talent. <laughs> and that's what Father's Day is all about. All right. I'll is, tell you. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That canned laughter is pretty harsh. <laughs> Far out, man. I like it. All right. It. I'll tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, yeah. share my last book with you all. Because yeah. uh, if you're not already depressed enough, okay, um, this is, this is going to really put the boot in. Uh, this is, we recorded this last year when we were on tour with my friend Mickey Finn on piano. I'm playing a little theremin. Um, this is the opening chapter for my book, You Are a Complete Disappointment. Dave, spin it. <laughs> My father was having a hard time speaking. He was on his deathbed, quite literally, in an Arizona hospital room, one of the best money could buy, with all sorts of tubes exploding out of his arms, monitors beeping and buzzing, nurses bustling in and out to check the connections and interpret the blizzard of numbers that flashed on and off like Christmas lights on a Matterhorn of rack-mounted biotech. A pinball parlor's worth of LED readouts that could just as easily have read, extra ball or special when lit. He was breathing erratically through a milky plastic oxygen mask that collected spittle like the early morning dew, and he waved me over to the bed. I'm glad you're here, he began. There is something I want to tell you. So I sidled up close to hear what he had to say, and there was a soft sucking sound from inside the mask, sound of an air valve doing its thing, and his eyes were clear, they were lucid blue. You, he said, are a complete disappointment. And he sucked another lungful of oxygen out of the mask, and his eyes opened up like saucers. He was just getting started. You are a failure, he leveled, gaining strength. You think you are a hotshot in New York writing books, but you're not. No one wants to read your shit. It's obviously you don't even like yourself, he added, before turning to my younger brother, the Wall Street mocker who was standing next to me wearing a dirty T-shirt from a recent Who reunion concert. It's been a pleasure to watch you grow up, he said to him. My father's breathing had become a Greek chorus of pulmonary angst. He sounded like Darth Vader, if Darth Vader were an old Jewish man dying in a hospital bed. And then he turned his attention back to me. You are broken, he said, and need to be fixed. 
Never mind the immediate challenges, the masks, the tubes, the electrodes, the IV drip, the demoralizing disposable pale green hospital gown. The old man delivered his message right over the plate. You aren't as smart as you think you are, he hacked. And after taking a moment to catch his breath and marshalling every bit of strength he could, leaning forward like the carved wooden mast on a pirate ship and spitting into his oxygen mask, he added, you are the only person in this family who is fat. If vitriol were a baseball, they would have had it said some mustard on it. I was speechless, and I watched his pitch sail by without swinging as stoic as Kaliga, the famous cigar store Indian. There wasn't much else I could do. Not to set the bar of what it means to be a mensch too low, but there's no way I was going to fight with a breathless dying man. And the truth is that my father never liked me very much. For years, he railed at me with no attempt to reserve his anger. I resent you because you were having more fun than I did at your age. I didn't begin to have fun until I was 55, and I heard variations of this tune my whole life, recurring themes of jealousy and contempt. When I was 19 and my band was beginning to see some moderate success, being booked for tours of Europe and opening for the Ramones, he hissed, I hate you because you get to live your dreams before I get to live mine. With every new volley, he became more agitated. His blood pressure was punching a hole in the sky. His oxygen level was going south fast. You didn't need a degree in advanced medical engineering to know that the numbers racing on the readouts weren't the good news everyone had been hoping for. Then again, seething as he was, he wasn't really helping his own cause. A fresh phalanx of nurses came crashing in, like a Navy SEAL team to try to calm him. It was fucking scary, and it was fucking weird, although I'm still not sure if it was John Waters weird or David Lynch weird. It certainly wasn't any fun. And then he dropped the bomb. His last great mortal concern. This is what had, dis- this is what had turned disgust into ire, and ire into top fuel rage. He leaned forward, fighting the trauma team so he could spit it out from behind the oxygen mask, which was now opaque with spew, and he let me have it. I can't believe someone as smart as you likes professional wrestling. It was the last thing he ever said to me. Yeah. The old man delivered his pitch right over the plate. And I stood there like Carl Liga, the cigar store Indian. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. His last words to you was saying that he thinks you're smart. So it's true. <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Someone's smart. The way I see it. Should... It's like, wow, he thought you were smart. He was, uh, I was a complete disappointment because, because, uh, because I guess how you recognize me as being smart. A lot of people said that to me as I was writing the book, and I spoke to some people that he yeah. knew. Um, this is a little bit beyond my immediate family. Yeah. But they said one reason he resented you is because because you were smart, because you were clever, and you can get by by being smart. Because I got game, Jack. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. You know, listen, yes, no one ever slept with me because I was good looking. Okay, mm-hmm. you know. So why did they sleep with? Because I'm smart. Yeah. Because I'm smart. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah. That's like God. God, it, you know, it was a crapshoot. Could have happened game. to anybody, but I, I, I lucked out. Um, you know, I, I got some brains. So you, it's diff- someone else got the looks. And someone is, else got holding the bag. Can I ask how the sex is different from for, with a smart guy <laughs> as opposed to the dumb guy that's hot? Well, I don't get all the girls, but I get the best girls. Oh, right. so it's better this way. <laughs> is what you're saying? I might say that. I'll take you know. There's hope for all of you out there. There's room for quantity and quality in this yeah. this this life. Um, I guess the worst is really suffering from just being mediocre. 
living in Westchester somewhere at a place and well, just kind of like wearing a my, polo shirt and napping well, here's, a lot. here's like you know one thing that my, my old man never got. This is what yeah. my uh, old drinking buddy Evil Knievel used to tell me. Oh, he yeah. said, it's better to live a life checkered with failure and never know victory than to live in that gray twilight of people who know either one because they didn't have the balls to try. Wow. Wait, did you just kind of slipped in there that, that your drinking buddy, Evil yes. Knievel? Did you drink with Evil Knievel? We, sp- we spent a nice weekend together Get in Las, in Las Vegas. Here. He told me that. He made me drive That's him. Amazing. He made me drive him back down what the was strip he drink- to his right, hotel. Let's, let's get into this. What was he drinking? He was drinking bourbon, and we went out one yeah. night, and we were drinking up a pretty night. We <laughs> went, went over to see him the next day, and... Um, it was a pretty pretty rough night. Yeah. Um, uh, at night, he was wearing. You mean uh, it was rough in what sense? Like it got a little. Dark? It, it, it got it got late early. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. That's the best line and, of the whole show already. And, and, we should just go home and, now. And, it got late he, early. Evil was wearing his like red, white, and blue spangled shirt. He looked great. He was. He still had this captain of the football Wait, he was, team. Good he looks. was in outfit. Well, not like he like he was going to jump a bike, but he was wearing a terrific shirt. Like you know, like Spangly. He was yeah. like he was in Las Vegas. He was yeah. hanging around. He was, you know, hitting on all the girls. He had just sold his sky cycle. This is our hero who beat up, who got drunk and beat up our uh, someone with a bat. That was yeah, the beginning yeah, of the end. Yeah, of like, there's that. A journalist, because yeah. he didn't like what the journalist had written about him. Well, he didn't and, like it. You know, what? He, he, and he was, was drunk. The this, this story is in my book, uh, I Have Fun Everywhere I Go. Yeah. And at the time when I was writing, it was being vetted by a couple lawyers. And Evil Knievel died during this process. And yeah. they were, like, really happy. Because they said, yeah. not only is he highly litigious, but he, like, breaks people's arms when he reads things doesn't like well he's he's a man that knows what he wants yeah. um you know? the next day we might eat after like drinking all night and he was not the same uh sparkle-eyed american hero so hungover <laughs> e- e- evil is not as Listen, you know let me just say this jack if yeah. you can define a man's greatness by how much your parents hate him yeah. evil can evil was the greatest man who ever lived Wow, far out. <laughs> um, and we, we had a good day. And I was, better to try and win glory. That's exactly triumph. right. And victories, even though you're checkered by failure and fate, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy victory or defeat because they've lived in such a great twilight that they've never tried either one. Yeah, I did a pretty good job remembering that. That was evil, uh, paraphrasing Teddy Roosevelt, but that, yeah. that was one of those things that he told me that the next day... Uh, I was trying to nurse a beer because I had a car, I had a rented right. car in Las Vegas. I was trying to kind of keep it on the square, as they mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, Edison, I know you. You're out of your fucking mind. You're crazy. Yeah. Evil Knievel told me I was crazy. That's the point of that that's, story. That's, that's okay? beautiful. I demanded I drink bourbon with him. He goes, I know. I'm like, I got to drive. But Evil Knievel, my friend was like, Knievel just called you crazy. Evil Knievel just told you that you're Did you actually mind. call him evil? <laughs> What's his actual name again? It's like Ted or Robert. Robert, right? No, you call him evil. You, you didn't call Bob. You're like so evil. You want another drink? Everybody called him evil. evil. Everybody called him evil. He was drinking. He made me drive him back to the to the uh, hotel. And he what began kind of bourbon? Was he, he, was Jim- a wild, he was a wild turkey guy, actually. Of course he was. That makes so much sense. Him and Hunter Thompson, right? Yeah, those are, that's a certain '70s like hero bourbon way. That was good. Well, among the things my parents didn't approve, like me being a musician, was definitely uh, Evil Knievel. I wanted to, before we got going, though, I did yeah. want to talk about my favorite television dads. Yeah, yeah. in this I- idealized world. All right, let's talk about it. What do you families. got? Just throw them out. Well, I got a list here, but like, I'm right, now, right now I'm putting like fucking Bill Cosby as like, at, 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 like you know, like, no. Well, look, pre-rape. Pre-rape Bill he Cosby. Was, he was a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he was, he was, hi, son. 
How are you today? Okay, I'm going my number one right now. Yeah. Gomez Adams. That's an interesting choice. I gotta say, Mr. <laughs> Brady was pretty, pretty like Mike Brady. Mike Brady got me in trouble because I tried a couple things that, like, I actually once ran upstairs. <laughs> I tried a couple things. I, I ran. Yeah, I'll bet you did. <laughs> I ran upstairs because I was upset about something, and I literally had seen it on a Brady Bunch episode. So I ran upstairs, and then in the in the Brady Bunch episode, then Mike Brady comes upstairs and he's like, "Bobby, what's going on?" And in my life, nobody came back up. And then later <laughs> on, my dad goes, "You can't just run away like that." <laughs> so I got. I tried to use Mike. So Mike Brady know. might be my favorite. Mike was kind of milk toast to me. Okay, how about this? Ozzy Nelson, yeah. versus Ozzy Osbourne. No, I'm gonna go with Ozzy Nelson. <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. See, I, you know, this is like my, my. What about Father Knows Best? I mean, uh, you never get Father Knows Best. I know. I put him in the category, kind of like with like Ward Cleaver. Yeah. And um, I mean, Fred McMurray and My Three Sons. I yeah. mean, they're just kind of like '50s dad. Yeah. They look like Bob from the Church of the Subgenius kind of yeah. dudes. Um, what about Herman Munster? You're throwing some curveballs. <laughs> I like I like the monster dads. The monster dad. What, what was the uh, the 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 the, uh, the courtship of Eddie's father? Yeah, well, he was okay. like he was like a bachelor, right? So, but yeah, but I can't even still, remember. It was um, uh, it was Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby, right, right? Who I still associate more with the Incredible Hulk. Of course. You, well, how do you not? You know, and um, he's in a couple of Elvis movies oh, too. Oh, you know who I like? Family Affair. That dad. Oh, remember Family yeah, Affair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. dad was good. What about? I've got another one for you. Tony Soprano. I love Tony Soprano, and I and I drank and, and did drugs with 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 James Gandolfini many times. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, I didn't say that on the line. No, that's alright. Well, you yeah. can't you can't you can't libel a dead man. Yeah. That's what they told me when Knievel died. Don't worry. <laughs> you can't libel first, first, a dead man. First rule of publishing is you can't. You got a guitar you in your hand. What's going on? Well, heartbreak and um, happiness, and uh, I thought we'd end with a little bit of rock and roll. And um, it's as always, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet that's today. Thanks to everybody, and thanks especially to all you great fathers out there who did a great job i'd also like to mention my cat jeepster i'm yeah. a cat daddy that's yeah. all i got i don't got no kids and uh, i'm a little pissed off that i couldn't get at least a token like world's greatest dad mug or something nothing like, you don't get nothing animals. you get nothing what do I, I write i write him about him in my book um Actually, it's very, very true. And on, a, on a somewhat serious note, I mean, in the book, You Are a Complete Disappointment, I talk about this rescued kitten who taught me about unconditional love. Yeah. You know, and taught me about patience and, you know, kind of instilled in me some of the values that I, that I think are very, very important that we all have. Yeah. You know, patience and unconditional love being... That makes number, a lot of sense. You know, right, right there. Um, but really, anybody who's, who's done a great job as a parent, it's the most important job in the world. So. It is. Can't get around it. And uh, all of us who had, unfortunately, uh, you know, less than stellar experiences with our folks who are, are mourning a dead parent, our hearts go out to you. But uh, right now, we're going to go out. Um, let's, uh, let's go out on a. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, rock and roll at Jack Race, everybody. Let's hear it for Jack Race. Thank you. Thank you, folks. All right. Thanks to Dave for twirling the knobs and everybody out in Heritage Radio Land. Oh, diddly 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 daddy, diddly 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 daddy, diddly 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 daddy, diddly 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 daddy. Well, I got a baby who's oh so pretty. Found her out here in New York City. Somebody kissed my baby last night. My baby said, "Jimmy, baby, that's all right." I said, "Diddly diddly 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 daddy." Baby now, baby, they understand. 
Jimmy look good, he's a happy man Roll look good, but also cold That big old drum gonna wreck your soul Jack. happened again. We've wasted another perfectly good half hour. <laughs> I'm Daddy Rolling Stone. Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>